All right, here are um, here we are on episode three of Invisible Visible. Before we move on, I just want to thank everyone who's been listening to our podcast. Very exciting. Um, I've been thinking a lot about the internet. Um, I think there's a a lot of um, different events happening all along the country, um, both locally and nationally, in which um, the internet and the abuse of the internet um, has been on my mind lately, especially with young people. And I've been thinking a lot about what are the adults' role in that and, um, and what we should be doing to protect or um, give students the tools to act civilly on the internet and not damage one another. And so my question is, like, to teenagers is, you know, <clears throat> how can we rein in the internet? Um, is this something that teenagers can do on their own? Can teenagers self-police themselves in a way that they can call out bad behavior and they can kind of act civilly on their own? Or is it to the point in which adults need to take the lead um, and make sure that uh, teenagers are behaving appropriately online? Uh, and just, I'm just interested in overall um, opinions about the Internet in this day and age from young people, if that makes sense. I think there's a fair divide between the kids who can self-police themselves and the kids who are who just can't. So I think that there's no one particular answer. I think that it really does depend on the student or the the kid. That's not what I'm asking. Sorry. I'm asking. I'm interested in like. Is it possible for you all as a student body to be the people who police what's happening on the internet and not like and not you all acting passively on the internet? Meaning like when you see bad behavior online, is it possible for juniors, seniors to step in and say, let's squash this? Or is it too, is it too much for teenagers is it too much for teenagers to do that? Does it need the role, does it need the presence of adults to squash it? You understand what I'm saying? So the idea is, can, can teenagers be at the, uh, at the front lines of bad behavior on the internet? I really don't think so, if I'm being completely honest. I mean, I feel like there are kids or teenagers who would be, who would be brave enough to do it. I just think that the influence it would have, especially with other teenagers, would not be strong enough to really rate it in. Uh, I kind of agree with Greg in that sense. I feel like there's also like that belief that if you like, I don't know, snitch on one of your peers and it's kind of like frowned down upon, I don't really see the snitching, but some people do. So it's also like, I feel like we really can't like take the, take the lead and try to police ourselves. I think that a lot of the people who are affected by negative things on the internet don't outwardly show it to other people sometimes, but in the cases where it does become apparent that this person's being affected by something, a lot of people will step in just out of support for the person. But if there's no significant evidence from the person that they're being affected, people will let it go by as if it's just something that you can ignore and turn off your computer. So I think a lot of the confusion with this topic sort of stems from the 
anonymity the that internet and technology in general provides and sort of like the lack of face-to-face -face contact because I know even personally I've had fights with people via text where I have said things that I wouldn't say was I not typing furiously not thinking about what I was saying not making face-to-face -face, you know not making eye contact with them not not getting their mannerisms not seeing the impact of like what I was saying not that I've, I've never you know, I've never been in a situation where I've had the desire to cyberbully or like anonymous comment on someone's whatever, but um, even just the lack of face-to-face -face contact can make communication difficult and it can make it easy to be hurtful and easy to be hurt um, without kind of like an understanding of almost what's happening because it's so immediate and like instantaneous. Like when you're having a real conversation with someone and they some, say something that you might not agree with, um, you kind of like pause to process. And when you're texting, you might have an immediate reaction to something that that's not even what the person was saying, but you don't get that like clarification because it's written and you'll take it in whatever tone you want to read it in. So like it's a confusing and gray area because it's confusing and gray for everyone. Like I don't think it's just adults or kids like I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, so to go along with kind of what Jess was saying, so the, the phenomenon that is screenshotting has, I think, completely changed the idea, like the internet completely and the way we talk to each other and everything because now anything you say, like privacy, so when the internet first started, like the original Facebook, when there was MySpace and people, there were like chat rooms, you couldn't really screenshot, but, and privacy was kind of a given you assumed that if when you said something to someone, it was confidential, it wasn't meant to be for everyone else. But now, like, all of us in this room are probably guilty of sometimes you talking, you texting someone, they say something iffy, you screenshot it, send it to someone else. And I think the fact that privacy is now kind of a privilege rather than, like, a right, because anyone can take what you say and maybe, like, twist it in a screenshot, I think that like has a big phenomenon and that's something that's really has like changed the way people think about each other. Because if I see a text from somebody I'm not, that I was not involved in, I don't know the context of the conversation. I don't know what the people's relationship was, but like you see screenshots everywhere and I think they're just like a big phenomenon and that they have like, it's, I think it's pretty much negative effects. I've never really seen like a, I mean, there's funny screenshots, but, <laughs> but yeah, that's basically. In some sense, like going off what you just said, in some sense I feel like screenshotting is uh, like a, some way that we um, like filter what we see on the internet and it makes people think twice or, you know. So in some sense, I to go back to your question, I do think that um, as a unit we could like prevent like bad things on the internet coming and that's maybe just one like way of doing it but at the same time it's very indirect and very like like something that you're not putting yourself on the line front and center like I'm like I'm gonna call you out on it so I think we find ways like that to filter but I think also going off not only is there the anonymity of social media and being online but there's also the ability to delete Whereas when you say something face-to-face, -face, you don't have that option to go back. Whereas people think that by posting something, whether it is under a false name or no identity, I think that people think it's okay to post something because if you get the repercussions, you can delete it. 
but it's also a false statement because um, nothing really can be deleted on the internet, which I think is what so many people fail to realize, which is why so many conflicts end up occurring through media posts and messages and stuff like that. I think some of the confusion also is because the way adults talk about the internet tends to be contradictory in the sense that they'll be like, it's very unimportant, it's a young person thing. I'd rather have a phone call than a text. I'd rather talk to you in person than text. I'd rather you look at me than be looking down in text. It really doesn't have an impact. It's just a text message. It's just the internet. It's just whatever. Not really like into it, not really into being involved. But then once it becomes something hurtful, that's when they decide to understand the gravity of what it is. So in, in the same way that on the one hand, um, an older person, I don't mean to like generalize about all older people. I know that some, there's a, there's a spectrum of everyone's opinion about everything, but uh, I feel like it's common for an older person to think that if you express your opinion um, through a text or a Facebook post or an email or whatever, that it holds less weight then you saying it in person unless it's something that's construed as cyberbullying and then it's almost like it holds more weight than you saying it in person, which is like inherently contradictory. It just is. So I think either we have to take everything on the same level of importance or we have to bring it. We, it just all has to be on like a base level of understanding. Okay. Um, I think part of the, another part of the problem is not just how adults conceive the internet differently than chil children, whatever <laughs> teenagers. Um, I think part of the problem is that they are more detached from it. Like we've grown up and adapted with this. Like I can get, like the like say, um, iPhone iOS eight. Like I understood it like pretty much as soon as it came out. But like all the adults are like, oh my God, wait, what is this? What does this do? Like, I don't understand. So like we understand and adapt to it so much faster than they do that like it's really easy to hide things and it's like really easy, like connotations are different. So like this, that detached, like just... Are you, can I, maybe, just go ahead. I want to no, ask a follow-up question, but... Oh, no, sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> um, I think the issue of anonymity kind of goes away with age though too because... Um, I mean, when we were younger, we were all naive. Like, we just assumed that if we put something on the internet, it would just kind of disappear with time. It would get buried under all the other posts, and it just wouldn't be as significant. But I feel like as we grow older and we hear it so many times that, like, nothing gets deleted from the internet, like, you realize that, like, what you do say does hold weight. And so I think that we can, like, like the older group, I guess, of teenagers – can kind of like police like what's going on on social media because it's not even like just people who are friends with someone who might be getting victimized who would stand up to it. It might also just be like the people who are friends with the like aggressor because like I know that if any of my friends ever posted something stupid on the internet, like I'd tell them you have to take that down. Like you're gonna get in trouble for it. Like someone's gonna see it. Like colleges, colleges will see it or something like that. Like it'll hurt you in some way, and I'll like t tell them to take it down. So it's not just like the victims anymore. It's like the friends of the aggressors like trying to protect them too. So I think that like there are enough like mature teenagers to take care of 
I guess, what's going on in the internet. I want to go back. I want to go back to, um, I think Jess said it and um, Ms. Klein said it. Um, this idea that it's almost like a, like you all are operating on the internet in different ways adults are. It's as if you like you're operating under another language, another code of conduct than adults are. Does that suggest, and this is probably a very controversial question to, to ask, but that bad what we perceive as bad be, adults perceive as bad behavior on the internet is not perceived as bad behavior to teenagers? Like are we are you suggesting that what we you know what we kind of get really upset about and call offensive to um, anything directed towards anybody else that you all think is just part of the culture? Do you understand what I'm asking? I wonder like do you are you also offended by you know some of the recent events that that's been happening um, in both local and national um, media, are you are you also concerned about it, or that's just something that adults are worried about? I think it has the same gravity for both kids and adults. I think the issue for us is that so many of these things are occurring because we are so linked in, and opposed to an adult who maybe has a Facebook or they have just texting, we have so many modes of social media, and so we see these things and we can't assess them in the same light as an adult because we're so used to seeing them. So it's not that these things are any more severe to an adult. It's that we see all of these either hurtful or inappropriate things being posted every day all around us that it's not going to strike us in the same light that it would for an adult. That's interesting. So you're almost like desensitized, almost. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. How do you feel about that? It's the first time I remember thinking yeah. about it. Yeah. Um, I think that it kind of depends on like the issues that we're talking about because I know that um, things like, like I guess race jokes, like in our generation, just aren't. Like, a lot of people aren't as sensitive. Like, I know a lot of my friends, like, will make Asian jokes toward me, and I just kind of laugh it off because it doesn't really offend me. But I know that, like, if my mom saw it, she'd get very offended. So I think it's kind of a generational thing as well because, like, I'm not – I haven't really experienced any, like, judgment because I'm Asian, whereas, like, my mom, when she came over from China, like, definitely felt that. So I think it's also, like, experience, um, and, like, that's just a very big difference, too. See, I think experience has that effect, but only kind of the opposite effect. I think that actually, I've noticed this uh, <clears throat> in Twain's America, we're reading Huckleberry Finn, and that has a lot of usage of the N-word in it. And I'm finding that actually our generation is a lot more, this is just my own personal experience, but we're a lot more opposed to it and repulsed by it than, say, people 40, 50 years ago were. And that's because now it's not, a, it's not common. It's not socially acceptable. It's wrong in every sense of, of the word, but it's 
not socially acceptable anymore either. And so we're more repulsed by it. But part of that is because we're so, um, it's been beaten into our heads that we can't use it. Um, I don't have a direct response to that point, but no, I just don't. That was, I was going to respond more to what Nina was saying about generational differences um, and how how she felt that her friends make jokes that are maybe inappropriate, but she doesn't. She laughs them off because, but they would bother her mom. Um, I think that it's almost as if there are things I feel like I'm supposed to find funny that I don't find funny, and that probably a lot of people don't find funny, but no one says that's not funny, you're being an asshole, like, because you don't want to be that person to almost not seem like you're in the generation that you're in, if that makes sense. And I am a sensitive person. Like, I do not like when people are mean. I just don't. Like, I don't think race jokes are funny. I don't think, I don't think jokes at really anyone's expense are funny if it's in a in a really like hurtful way and I don't want to be uh, desensitized and I almost don't feel desensitized but it's as if you're supposed to feel desensitized so you you act in the manner that you are but I know for me and this is honestly this is me putting myself out a little more than I probably typically would I feel um, personally uh, hurt sometimes by things I see casual Snapchat stories that I think are offensive, you know, um, if you come from whether your, your, your race is different or your, your religion is different, your sexual orientation, there are so many things that, um, people are scared of that they will make fun of. And it might not be in a direct way. And it might be in a way where you're supposed to say like, oh, but like, they didn't mean it like, you know, in an actually bad way. Let me just, like put up the barrier. I don't want to put up the barrier. I'd rather we uh, raise the standard of what we think is funny because I think we should have a better sense of humor than we do. I think a good a good rule of thumb that I like to live by to prevent things like Jess was saying is if the person you're making fun of can't laugh at the joke themselves, you shouldn't make it. I feel like to go off what Jess is saying, that's so true. And I think that the issue with that, if we're going back to social media, is that people feel they can make these jokes <clears throat> that are either directed towards someone or going to hurt someone because they know that there's going to be some <laughs> group, there's going to be some group of people and some audience that's going to find it funny. And there's so many people and so many, so much accessibility to people on the internet that people feel, okay, well, someone's going to like this post or someone's going to retweet this or something so they feel that it's easy to make that joke. You're going to get some type of either positive reaction or you're going to enjoy the negative attention. And it, I think it stems purely from our need for instant gratification and attention from social media. Anybody else? So is this kind of going along with the internet? I hope it connects. So like music today, I wanted to kind of, because what Greg said kind of like struck something. 
We are so, so we're just, if you use pictures of riding in the car, you're listening to 98.9, which is hip-hop station. You are singing lyrics that you, you're bumming to lyrics that you're not even sure what you're saying. Like, they use the N-word. They use profane language to talk about women mm -hmm. and all this. And you are just sitting there listening to it. It sounds good, so you think it's okay to say it because it's not your words. But then once, and then, but then you go on the internet and once it's in your words, then it's bad. Like if I reworded something that maybe like Big Sean said and put it on my Facebook status, it would be really bad to say. So I think we need to be more cognizant of what we're saying, what, pe what other people are saying and how it can be construed depending on who's saying it. Cause you would never say that Big Sean is racist when he's using the N word. But if I used it, on the internet, it, I would that would be really racist and that would be really offensive. So I think we need to ju just like think about that and like think of our culture as a whole and how, like things how like race kind of plays and religion and anything plays into um, people's feelings depending on who's saying it. I think also, also, be not only not only cognizant of what we're saying but also what we're celebrating, too. I think that's also that's also a part. Of it. I think. I think the danger is that I think that we sometimes celebrate things that we don't even know what we're celebrating. And, and I, the problem with language is that if you say it enough times, it becomes you. Um, and I think that's what's happening. I think, I think that we're so used to, to what Jill said, that we're so accustomed to a certain kind of language and we don't even know what we're doing or saying, but you say it so much that it's just you, and then so the adults come in and say, that's wrong, you're thinking, I'm just speaking a language that you're not even sure that you're fluent in. Um, it's very fascinating. Any, any, any final thoughts? Any final thoughts? All right, thank you guys so much, and I hope you all have a good rest of the day. There it is, right on time.